Welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com. John Schmelk, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number, if you want to get in touch with us and maybe chat a bit, is 201-939-4513. Or if you prefer to hit us on social media, do so at hashtag GiantsChat. Giants win their second in a row. They're streaking, folks. They beat the Redskins 24-3. And Lance, even though at halftime it was, you know, it was a relatively close game, only a couple scores, you never really got the sense that the Redskins were in this game after the Giants got their first two touchdowns. No, not at all. Redskins couldn't run the football, John. Adrian Peterson, 11 carries, 28 yards. They really couldn't pass it either, It was by non-existent. The way. Yeah, I was going to get to that next, but you took the words right out of my mouth. Two of 11 on third down. I would agree with you. I think as long as the Giants had at least a touchdown lead in this game, you felt as if there was really never going to be an opportune moment for the Redskins to shake things up and make things interesting because even when the Giants turned the ball over four times, you think that that would be laying out the red carpet for the Redskins, John. Nope. Washington couldn't capitalize on it. And you can't capitalize on when a team turns the ball over four times. There's no hope whatsoever. Of course. Didn't help that the Redskins had turnovers of their own. Of which course. Yeah. Canceled out the Giants' mistakes, obviously. Dwayne Haskins looked like a rookie in his debut. He threw three interceptions, just 9 of 17, 107 yards. He had trouble getting them set at the line of scrimmage. He had a couple. He had one delay a game. He had two timeouts to avoid delay of games. Well, they had 12 penalties as a team. Right. And I think at one point they had more penalty yards than total yards in that first well, they half. Had more penalties than first downs in the game. So. Also, not what you're looking for. I should tell it all to you. So I know a lot of people are, you know, obviously everyone's took up about Daniel Jones, but to me, Lance, that's not the story of the game. For me, the story of this game is the Giants' defense. They kind of carry the the work and, quite frankly, a lot of the plan that they had in the second half of that Bucks game and applied it for the entire game to the Redskins. Now, this might not work moving forward depending on the team you play, but for these six quarters, it's been an effective strategy. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, Lance, they blitzed only five times yesterday. Not counting the Sunday night game because I didn't check the numbers again this morning. That was fewer blitzes than any other team in the entire league yesterday. So they just didn't put their guys in situations where they didn't have a lot of help. Uh, they ran man fewer times than they have all year. They played more zone. They still played some man, mind you, and they actually got a couple of their picks in man defense. But they ran less man. They ran more zone. They had a little bit more two safety deep rather than one safety high. A big part of that... Well, you can play two safeties deep when you're not worried about the run, right? And the Redskins have struggled to run the ball all year long. So I thought those type of adjustments were the some of the things that helped them be effective in this game. Granted, of course, the Redskins were depleted. They changed quarterbacks. That was in the mix, too. But given it was the same type of stuff they did in the second half against Tampa, I think it was a good sign. Well, and I think part of probably why they went to zone was uh, Trey Quinn had a step on a, a few Giants corners early in the game. Case Keenan just completely missed them, John. So, in fact, that, I think that second miss is probably what prompted Keenan to get taken out of the game. Well, it absolutely was. That's what Jay mm -hmm. Gruden said after the game. Oh, he did he actually said, say that? Yeah, I missed well, that. Keenan was on the injury report Wednesday with the foot injury. He was in a walking boot, what he suffered Monday night. Then he practiced Thursday and Friday. So they were more than confident that he'd be able to take the field on Sunday. And then I think after the first few series, Jay Gruden realizes, well, you know, Case Keenum's not executing the throws that they're used to seeing. Therefore, they gave the green light to Dwayne Haskins. I still believe, not that this is related to what happened yesterday, but if Colt McCoy was fully healthy and ready to go, I still think that Jay Gruden probably would have went to him before he would have went to Dwayne Haskins. That wasn't necessarily the case. And the depth chart called for them to put a rookie quarterback in. But I want to piggyback off of what you just said, John. Sure. This is not to take anything away from the Giants' victory, but I think perspective is important to bring to the forefront. This here. is the internet, Lance. There's no such thing as perspective. Well, we're going to try to at least be a little <laughs> bit different compared to the rest of the internet then. <laughs> now that I've prefaced my comments, I think I'll go on. Yeah, go ahead. 
the Giants took advantage, as you hinted at, at a depleted team, a banged-up team, both mentally and physically. John, this was an 0-3 Redskins team. They had issues across the board. They have not stopped teams on third down. They have not run the ball effectively. They came off a five-turnover game with their quarterback on Monday night. It was a short turnaround. They were down two starting offensive linemen, three if you include Trent Williams, who's still holding out. No... Terry McLaurin, their number one wide receiver. No Jordan Reed, their number one tight end. When that well, type wait, wait, of an opportunity... You forgot Darius Geis. I'm sorry, yes. well, eight, Also, their top running back. That's true. I, I guess it depends on if you still look at AP as their number one back. Yeah, he's even not, though. though. Geis had yeah. the starting position before he got hurt again. So that's fair. You could add him to the list. They presented a golden opportunity for the Giants. To me, this was almost like a get-right type of game. And how many times have we talked about that the Giants are usually the opponent for somebody else to get right? This was an opportunity to beat up on an opponent that was not in a very good shape. And to the Giants' credit, they took advantage. And you know what? That's what you have to do in today's NFL, John. The good teams, they beat up on the mediocre teams when they're not 100%. That's what the Giants did. They capitalized, and that's why they're at 500 right now. Yeah, and the defense created turnovers really for the first time this year. We haven't seen much of that. Three interceptions and uh, rather four interceptions, three by Haskins, one by Keenum. Uh, Janoris Jenkins in the mix for three of them. He had a nice bounce back game. It's amazing. A guy plays better. He doesn't have to cover Mike Evans one-on-one with no help the whole game. It's funny how that works. <laughs> yeah. uh, he played well. Jabril Peppers, I thought, played his best game as a Giant. Uh, they had him covering the tight end a lot in this game. Jeremy Sprinkle could not get loose on him. He did a good job. And I thought you saw a good pass rush up front. Now, here's the thing. I mentioned they didn't blitz a lot. You didn't get a lot of quick pressure. But when you play seven men back in coverage like they were doing most of the time, the defensive line has some more time to get there. Yeah. Dexter Lawrence had some push inside. Dalvin Tomlinson had the push inside that led to the Jabril Peppers interception. Marcus Golden had the pressure that led to the Janoris Jenkins interception. So they did get some pressure. Look, this is never going to be a team that's going to get eight, nine sacks in a game and they you know, make life for the quarterback hell like you saw with the Bears and the Redskins on Monday night last week, for example. But given the coverage was better, the passers had more time to get home and they did a better job doing that. Yeah, and the Bears also have so many elite defensive well, That's my linemen. point. No, right. I know that's exactly what you were spelling out. So for the Giants to show some consistency, signs of life in the pass rushing department, John, I think is encouraging because now you've had back-to-back games mm-hmm. where... To your point, James Betcher hasn't had to bring everybody up, and guys have won some of their individual battles, specifically Marcus Golden, who has been, I think, a very consistent force. Which is what you have to do. I know we've had uh, people on the show call, I know Paul said this before, you know, you gotta, you know, you blitz and you manufacture pass rush. Guys, you eventually gotta win one-on-one. You, you, you can't, the NFL's you all can't about. win by blitzing. You gotta win one-on-one. Yeah, wide receivers, it's the same thing, John. You gotta beat your corner. Correct. You got to get separation. You can't just be schemed open or schemed for sacks all the time. I mean, that's 99% of football. Find a way to get open, and then the rest should work itself out. Now, you you brought up the fact that the pressure situation was there because of the guys on the back end, and they had seven guys, and I think that's the reason why Dwayne Haskins, if you notice, was holding the football a long time, and that gave an opportunity for the Giants to get home in the pass rushing department. So it just goes to show you when the complementary pieces are working together— you know, this Giants defense could be effective, especially when you don't have to worry about a marquee wide receiver and you don't really have to worry about a dynamic run game. And in Washington, you go through the game-changing lengthy plays, John. Chris Thompson, a 39-yard catch and run. Jeremy Sprinkle had a 20-yard catch. Outside of that, 
They did nothing. Adrian Peterson's longest run was nine. Dwayne Haskins ran for 14. There were none of those back-breaking type of plays where you felt, oh, the Redskins just changed field position. So I think that speaks highly of the Giants' defense overall, too. Ready to jump to the offense? Absolutely. All right, and a lot of people, it's Daniel Jones mania. I get it. And look, guys, for a rookie, started his career really, really well. But for me, even offensively, Daniel Jones was was fine in this game. Obviously, the two interceptions are, are, are problematic, and we'll get to those in a second. But Daniel Jones had a lot of help in this game. The Giants ran the ball more than they threw it. 37 rushes compared to 31 passes attempts. Now, a lot of that's the product of the score, too. They had two drives at the end of the game in the fourth quarter where they're pounding the ball. And frankly, they ran it okay. You know, a lot of people make it a big deal. You know, they looked 164 total yards. That's great. Well, if you take away Jones' 33 rushing yards and the Sterling Shepard 23-yard end around, all of a sudden... They're averaging under four yards per carry. So the running game was solid. It was good, but it wasn't spectacular. And Wayne Gallman played a good game, 18 rushes, 63 yards. More impressive for me was his job in the passing game last. Yeah. Six catches, 55 yards, and a touchdown. And he actually could have had more if Jones didn't overthrow him on a wheel route near the sideline late in that game. Now, they're not going to use him as a guy they you know split out wide as much as they would have Saquon Barkley. But coming out of the backfield, he made some very big, important plays, including the first touchdown, where Daniel Jones went through, I think, three reads before he settled on him for the touchdown to the right side. He started to the left, went to the middle, then went to the right to get the touchdown. And then prior in that drive on a third and 18, after the Redskins decide to back the Giants up on a third down holding penalty, he gained 15 or 16 yards 15 to yards, set up yeah, a play, fourth yeah. and two, and then the Giants were able to convert on a Jones pass to Sterling Shepard. Yeah, I think it was a third and 17, and he got 15 yards, and that set up the fourth and two. That was an outstanding play by Goldman because he went up the sideline, John, weaved in and out of traffic, and continued to fight for the extra yardage. Cody Latimer, nice block downfield on yeah, that play. Well, and that goes back to the personnel around the quarterback making plays. What did we talk about in the Tampa game? This, was a big, this is the point you made last week, and I think it applied again this week. Yeah, you go to the Sterling Shepard plays, getting him out in open space, the yak yardage. Evan Engram, John, had another big run up the left sideline. It was reminiscent of that big touchdown run for 75 yards yep. to start the third quarter against Tampa Bay. Wayne Goleman you brought up. I mean, he had six catches for 55 yards, so it wasn't as if it was a spark plug here or there. You know, he was consistently being a force. The one that Daniel Jones dumped off to him for a touchdown he was wide open so you know he was creating opportunities for himself and you're right I think his pass protection sort of falls under the radar but what was encouraging is when Barkley goes down you start to worry about okay well you know you're losing the game-changing runs but you also don't want to lose the ability for the running back to be part of the passing game yeah. and I think Goldman proved hey I could catch the ball out of the backfield I can move the chains so that's something at least that they could build upon moving forward here yeah Goldman and Hillman combined 28 carries 96 yards that's about 3.4 yards per carry a couple notes on Jones we'll talk about the two interceptions in a second he did finish a game 23 of 31 225 yards one touchdown two picks 78 quarterback rating solid game didn't really need him to do much in the second half because of the flow of the game. So I think if they needed him to throw more, his overall volume numbers probably would have been a little bit better. But a relatively efficient performance. Here are two numbers I grabbed off of Pro Football Focus Lance. I thought were very interesting yesterday when I kind of did my uh, film study, which you can find on Giants.com, by the way. Um, of his 225 passing yards, 166 of them came on yards after the catch. Speaks volume of the personnel. Bingo. So that is almost 70% of his passing yards, that's give or take, came on yards after the catch, which is, by the way, not a criticism because that's partly to his credit that he took what was there and he's hitting guys in stride to allow them to get yards after Absolutely. the catch. But he had a lot of help. Shepard, 32 yards after the catch. Ingram, 40 yards after the catch. Goleman, 68 yards after the catch. 
So a lot of those guys held. And by the way, if that Cody Latimer play didn't get brought back on a bogus offensive pass interference penalty, which I don't understand how you make that call, that's another 60 yards worth of yak yarders in that play. Here's the other one. How about this one, Lance? I thought this was fascinating. But then a lot of people look at the win, they look at the raw numbers like, oh, Jones played a great game, right? Jones attempted six passes where the ball traveled 10 or more yards in the air. Only six. He completed one and had two interceptions. And it just shows you when people around you are helping, you don't have to be this gunslinger down the field and doing all this stuff. You got good protection. Uh, For example, the Goldman touchdown, the reason he was able to go through all those reasons was the offensive line had an unbelievable pocket for him. He was sitting back there forever sipping a cup of tea. Usually you're talking about (laughs) the Giants' opponents doing that, right? He put honey in the tea, too. Absolutely. He was stirring it. He's he's reheating it again. (laughs) He's putting some cream in there. He's doing everything. So he had a lot of time on that. And he simply got a lot of help from his teammates, which is exactly what you got to do. Yeah, I think that's a really good number. I actually like both statistics because uh, I think they peel back the layers of his performance. It's very interesting when your personnel around you gets the job done. It does wonders for a quarterback. Uh, when have we not had that conversation? But I guess we'll save that for another day. The other little tidbit that— so, Could you imagine if the other quarterback had had only one ball— Pass that traveled in the yard for ten or more yards. Well, we'd, we'd be, be hearing sitting here all day analyzing that one pass play well, well, and wondering well, where the rest of them are. Well, well, do you know how many times people called up and complained about how do you dump it down on third and long? Well, guess what? You dumped it down to Wayne Goldman on a third and seventeen. He runs for fifteen yards. You go for it on fourth and two. All of a sudden, that checkdown doesn't look so stupid, does it? Of course, it changes all of a sudden the outlook and provides a little bit more context mm-hmm. and perspective. But the storyline that we completely dismissed here when we were talking about the defense and you made the transition to Daniel Jones and it would be a huge oversight on our part is the whole reason why the defense came out and performed <laughs> no, no, admirably no, let, Let's not go there, No, 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 please. I have no. to. I have to. I'm sorry. Don't I'm going to open up, up the can of worms. Don't no. do it. No, 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 no. no. We're here to appease uh, to Giants Nation, okay? No. They no. were motivated because no. Daniel Jones was under center. I just uh, needed to say it. Okay, it's out there. Now we don't need to break down anything else more on this program. I said it. The defense got four takeaways because Daniel Jones was the quarterback. I feel so much better that I got off that chest. Whew. All right. What else is on the agenda today? Why'd you have to do that? But I now had we're to. getting at least yeah. two calls on it. You know that, That's right? That's fine. I'm more than capable of taking the phone calls. I will shield you from that. I just wanted to get it out there because why should we wait for like the fourth or fifth call to bring it up? Let's get it out. The, the, the yeah. other thing I want to bring up with Jones, which I think he did a real nice job of, was his mobility. Uh, he had three third downs, a third and 11. And look, these are things, and I, I'll get to that in a second. I'll give you the stats first. He converted a third and 13. He got 16 yards. He converted a third and 11. Uh, he got a first down on that, too. And then he converted a third and two in the first quarter. So three times with his legs, he converted third downs. Now, coming into this game, we talked about the Redskins' defense. Worse than the NFL. 63% the, they correct. were allowed. Well, the Giants were about seven. I think they were eight for 12, right? So that's 75% third Yeah, down they were eight or 13, but the last one was a kneel down. Perfect. So that's exactly. why I don't even count You that. shouldn't. Eight yeah. of 12. So there were 75% on their third down conversions, which coming into the game, you knew that was a weakness for the Redskins. And, you know, a lot of times when we talked about Eli Manning, people called up, talked about mobility, but they always talked about mobility when it came to sacks. And, oh, you avoid sacks with it. And, yeah, sometimes you do. And Daniel Jones did do a really nice job avoiding that sack on the third and 13. He kind of broke two or three tackles and that, got in there and ran for the first down. Unbelievable play. And those are things that Eli Manning was not capable of doing. They just, he just weren't. And those are the things that, does and Pat Shermer actually thought made a good point during the press conference. Right. And I have not done this study, but now I'm going to pay attention to it. Where he said, if a team has a long drive, 
there will be at least one play over the course of that drive where the quarterback has to do something with his legs to keep it alive. And that's something Jones has been very good at doing. And I wonder how defenses are going to have to adjust how they cover the Giants on these third downs to account for him. Because we always talk about when the Giants play a Deshaun Watson or Cam Newton, do you leave a spy in? Yeah. Can you even play man-to-man? Because then all of a sudden, you know, nobody's looking back at the quarterback and he can run and do all this stuff. Now other teams are going to have to say that when they come in and play the Giants because of Jones' ability to move. Well, Jay Gruden actually brought up an interesting point leading up to the game. I don't think this came up on Big Blue Kickoff Live, but he said the difference between Eli Manning and Daniel Jones, how you prepare for the Giants' mobility was the first factor. But he also said, listen, our defense, John, went up against Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott, and Mitchell Trubisky in the first three weeks of the season. Yeah, so Jones is no less mobile than any of those guys, so, or no more mobile, exactly. I should say. So, so the point is, I don't think this was a rude awakening for the Washington well, Redskins defense. It was just the lack of execution in being able to contain him, especially on those third downs. Now, here's another factor that I think needs to be thrown out there. I know we gave the totals and the penalties. There were 12 penalties for the Redskins. Five were on defense, John, and I went back and looked. Five led to automatic first downs well, those, I think for the I th- Giants. Of those five, I think yeah. four are probably defensive holding penalties, which come with an automatic first Correct. down. Correct. Well, and one of them, which is not included in that total because it was declined, was the Landon Collins holding penalty. So oh, that would have made it even worse. Yeah, because they scored a touchdown yeah, on the play, they right? they didn't even need it. Boy, Landon still has trouble covering people, huh? Well, I think everybody on the Redskins center <laughs> had trouble covering yesterday. <laughs> I don't think it was one guy in particular. No, it wasn't. Uh, we should talk about the two Jones interceptions. We mentioned Goldman and Hellman, their fumbles at the end of the game. Those obviously you can't have when you're trying to run the clock out with four-minute offense. Zone, and, by the way, for Hilleman. Correct, yeah. 100%. And Goldman, too. You're trying to run the clock out. You can't be giving the ball away. You just can't do that sort of stuff. The same way Jones can't throw interceptions. Now, that's four turnovers for him in two games, something that has to get cleaned up. He said that to me after the game. He knows that. And I talked to him in the locker room after the game. We heard it on the Giants radio network uh, about those two picks. The first one, he said, uh, the Redskins were in cover three. He did not see. Uh, Quentin Dunbar coming down from that deep corner thing and stepping in front of Shepard, who was kind of running that deep cross. So that was simply a player he did not recognize coming down. Pat Sherman mentioned postgame that's something that they hadn't done really much of, the Redskins, in terms of scheming out their defense. Yeah, they weren't anticipating that. So he surprised them with it. That's fine. It's a rookie. It happens. Something you clean up. Don't make the same mistake twice. Second play, I thought it was a fine decision. Shepard was open, but he just threw it behind them, and they gave Dunbar a chance to, to catch up and undercut the rat a little bit because he didn't put the ball out in front of Shepard enough, and that's just simply a bad pass, which is exactly what uh, Jones said to me in the locker room after the game. Well, they were fortunate because the Redskins didn't capitalize, as I said, off the top, off of the takeaways. Great goal line stop, by the way, to home to a field goal off that off the second interception. Yeah, and that was huge because you thought with Haskins coming in, maybe all of a sudden momentum would start to change, and you're right, they held it to the Hopkins short field goal First to put goal them on the, the points one. for the three. Yeah. First and goal at the one. Incomplete pass because Peppers knocked it away from Sprinkle. That was a great they, play. Three-yard loss or two-yard loss on a Peterson two Peterson yards run, on a run. Two yards. Put him at the three. And then he overthrew, I think, was Vernon Davis Vernon on Davis out, right? Vernon Davis left on the end zone, yep. and he it was a wide throw. I mean, Vernon Davis actually had a step, John. He wasn't wide open, but he was open. But, but he was, if you put it in the right spot, you would have given Davis perhaps an opportunity to make a play. Sure. It just it was completely out of the end zone. So, yeah, a great stop by the defense to hold them to just three points. And then remember, you know, here was another great benefit for the Giants. Wayne Goleman had the fumble, but when Hilleman fumbled it in the red zone, two or three plays later, Jabril Peppers gets the pick six. So if you're the Giants, it's a sigh of relief because things could have really turned there. You could have sealed the game right there with the Hilleman touchdown or somebody else after that play, and then Peppers gives you six points right there. In fact, when you think about the offense here, Lance, this will be my last point before we go to your calls at 201 939 
their first touchdown was a product of an interception, and the Giants took over, I believe, at the Redskins' 30-yard line, if I'm not Keenum mistaken. That was the case off the deflection from Jenkins into Conley. Correct. That was Correct. the first. Yes. That was the interception Jenkins created but Indeed. wasn't credited for. And they scored a touchdown off of that. And yep. by the way, Ryan Connolly, just FYI, was diagnosed with a torn yep. ACL, so he'll be lost for the year. Stinks. He was playing well, too. He's a good kid, and it's too bad he's really not going to be. Really good start to his career. Be playing the rest of the year, and they score a touchdown there, and then they have to pick six. So... Really, if you look at it like long drives, the Giants really only produced 10 points offensively in terms of sustained drives down the field that weren't helped by the defense. Yeah, and they scored 14 points off of four of the takeaways. So, I mean, that again was a huge difference maker. This was not a game, and this is not to take anything away from Daniel Jones, but this was nothing like the Tampa game where no, you had to come no, back no, from no, a no, deficit. No, 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 you had no, no, to no. create drives at the end of the game. It was a completely different feel because of the Redskins' inability to put drives together, make the necessary third-down conversions, and it put the defense in a comfort position, John, and that complemented the comfort that the offense had. I really don't know how to feel about that Tampa game right now because Tampa is a weird team. The yeah, first two weeks of the year, their defense is really good. They don't score well. Against the Giants... They can't stop Daniel Jones, but they put up a 30-burger and almost 500 yards of offense. And then, then against the Rams yesterday, they give up like 500 yards <laughs> passing, but they get takeaways and score 50 points. So I really don't know how to analyze that Giants-Bucks game yet because, frankly, I don't know what the Buccaneers are. I have a pretty good feel what the Redskins are right now, and I know the Bills' defense is awesome, just Look like we talked about. Look New what England. they did to New England yesterday. And by the way, in that New England game, Bob mentioned this in the postgame last night, Seven of those 16 New England points was on a punt return for a t or a pump block for a touchdown. So they gave up nine. Yeah. So their defense was phenomenal, which is why it's no surprise. The Giants' offense struggled against them. Damn right it did. You didn't have either of your two receivers, and they're a great defense. And look what the Cowboys' defense did to the Saints last night. They didn't score a touchdown. Four field goals, right? So when you take a look at the games this year, I have a pretty good feel for what each one of those games means. The Buck game... That team still confuses me, so I'm not exactly sure how to pinpoint that yet in terms of what it means in terms of the offense and the defense, the performance, and how they did, and the quarterback, and the secondary. I'm not quite sure what the Bucks are yet for me to have a good feel for what that game means, Well, just except the to, fact that it was a good win to come back. Yeah, it just goes to show you it's a week-to-week -week league, yeah. and I know it's a cliched line, but I think there's validity behind it. Case in point, look at the Browns. They beat up the Ravens yesterday, John, and it was a week ago. Everybody was saying, chicken little, the sky is falling, and you know Cleveland's going to end its season right here. Some teams, they bounce back. Some teams do it consistently. Some teams, it's a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde routine. But, you know, once again, I, I understand that this show is all about the Giants. I think it's important for Giants fans to look at what's happening around the league. And I think the more and more you look around the league, you realize the Giants are not on an island. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of teams that go through the ebbs and flows of a season. And sometimes it's difficult to get a read on a team until you get four or five games into the year. And sometimes that's not even enough. Yeah, John. and the more I, I study this league and go through it every year here, this is my, you know, 13th, 14th season with the Giants, the opponent matters. I mean, the opponent yeah. just matters. It matters so much in terms of what your what the game looks like, what the teams look like. You're going to look very different based on who your opponent is and what they do and who they are. So just something to keep in mind as you kind of judge what the Giants do moving forward. All right, let's get to your calls at 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464. For more details, let's go to the phones and lead off with Doug in Rochester. What's up, Doug? Hey, John Lance. How you guys doing? We're great, Doug. How hey, are Doug. you? Yeah, I'm doing good. Hey, the bottom line is uh, the Giants are 2-2. Two and two. 
The Eagles are two and two. The Cowboys are three and one. The Redskins are zero and four. Mm-hmm. And the Giants are tied for second place. Now it's been a while since we've been able to say that after four games. Just <laughs> so, two years so, or three years, you know, two thousand sixteen. Yeah. So what they don't know this about the Giants players, um, starting from Donald Jones um, in his press conference, um, he knows he makes he, he knows he makes mistakes, and it's part of him growing. It's only his second game, and he, one thing he says is he has to work on it. So that's a good thing. He know he realizes what he's doing wrong, and he's working on. It. So that's a, that's a good thing right there. And um, the defense looked pretty good, but um, Grant Haley, um, he was getting he was getting toasted pretty good yesterday. <laughs> yeah, Grant you know what, Haley. Doug? It's funny, and, and we always do the, the turning point of the game contest after the game. Lance picks it all the time. If I was picking it last that, yesterday, I would have been funny, and I literally would have picked Doug the first play of the game for the Redskins offense because if Keenum hits Trey Quinn on that deep seam route, Case Keenum never gets taken out of the game, they go up 7 nothing. You never have the Connolly interception to set up the short field. And this entire game could look completely different. And it just goes to show you how one or two missed opportunities here or there can completely change the outlook of a game. Yeah, and then if he would have yeah. hit the other one too on top of that because he missed Quinn twice. And by the way, on the Jenkins interception, his first one in the fourth quarter, Quinn was open again. Same play. Yeah. Deep, deep yeah, right up the same. Yeah, yeah. He, 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 was, he was getting toasted. Uh, I wanted to question you on the next four games coming up because you guys always go by taking four. Now we got the next set of four yep. games and the opponents coming up. The Minnesota Vikings um, had a hard time scoring yesterday against the Bears. Of well, everybody's Bears. had a hard time yeah, scoring against it, the Bears. It, Doug, what, yeah, what, what, Doug um, I just said it, though. So, matchups, huh? matchups matter. Your opponents matter. It doesn't mean the Vikings are terrible offensively. It means that the Bears are just awesome yeah. on defense. Green Bay could yeah, barely yeah. score on Chicago, yeah, too. Yeah, you got to understand, uh, Vikings got really two number one receivers and yeah. got an uh, all-pro tight end. So, and you Dalvin know, Cook. it's going to be a totally different game for the Giants. Bingo. And you don't, you don't know which Kirk Cousins is going to show up. True, so, too. Yeah, yeah, you don't know which one's going to show up. So the Giants, I think I hope um, Pat um, Sherman Betcher and them play that defense like they've been doing, um, switching up on Kirk, because um, if the right one shows up, they're going to have to play really hard. So. No, look, Doug, you're 100% right, and, and thanks for the call. And, look, history doesn't matter because the teams are different every year, but Giants' recent history against the Vikings is not great. <laughs> it's not great. And this Vikings defense is going to be – look, the Bucks had good numbers heading into that game. Now we've seen what happened the last two. Like I said, I don't have a feel for exactly what they are yet. And, boy, Shaq Barrett, he, he's not a mirage, by the way. He was, he was tearing up the Rams yesterday. They have a good offensive line, too. But – this Vikings defense will be something a little bit different that Daniel Jones has never seen before in his football life. They're yeah, a different group. Uh, Mike Zimmer's a great defensive-minded coach. He's got a lot of personnel up front. They've got a good secondary. Harrison Smith's a Pro Bowl safety. Uh, they did a good job when Odell Beckham was here, and he would go up against that Viking secondary. I remember that game in Minnesota a few years ago. I mean, it was a real battle royale, grinded-out game for Odell. They got very physical with him, if you remember. That was that incident on the sideline. So, yeah, this is going to be a, a different test. Xavier Don't, Rhodes was on him, right? Correct, yeah. Xavier Rhodes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't read so much into, oh, well, the Vikings couldn't move the football against the Chicago Bears. That's the Bears' defense. So the Vikings, though, have run the ball very effectively with Dalvin Cook, mm-hmm. as you hinted at, John. And Adam Thielen had some very strong words after the game yesterday yeah, about I the need those. to open up the passing game. And 
I'm not one to read into post-game press conferences, but something tells me, John, this is like a go-back-to-the-drawing-board type of week for the Minnesota Vikings. So that's why it's very important for the Giants to maintain that communication on the back end because I think they're going to try to open things up with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen this coming week and try to get more balance in an offense that has leaned heavily on that run game. Wouldn't you? That's exactly what I would look to if I was the offensive coordinator, if I was Mike Zimmer. Now, you have to remember... The Vikings made a change in offensive coordinator last year. They got rid of John Filippo. He's now with Jacksonville, and they replaced him with Kevin Stefanski because Mike Zimmer said, run the football. Stop putting the game in Kirk Cousins' hands. Bingo. So what do they do, John? They go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum <laughs> to start this season. Now it's basically, Kirk, just hand the ball off. Don't throw. And now it's created a bit of imbalance. So I think they're going to try to get a more balanced attack this week, but I'm sure they're going to be reviewing some of the struggles for that giant secondary, see if they could test them early. Vikings have run the ball on 49% of their plays this year. There you go. Second to only the 49ers. So they will run the ball and run it to death on you. And the Giants better stop it because they've had some moments this year when they haven't done a good job stopping the run either. Yeah. Even the lead in the Tampa game. Took the words right out of my mouth. All right. Then you had <laughs> Devin Singletary at the end of the Bills game. Yep. Got to him too. So the Giants have to make sure they're sure up front because the Vikings will pound it and pound it and pound it again. Maurice and Montclair, he's up next. What's up, Maurice? How you doing, pals? Good to talk to you. Hey, what's going on, gentlemen? What's up? Doing all right, Maurice. Hey, man, not much. Um, so I, I was at the game yesterday, and I just want to give a, a few uh, thoughts that I had. Sure. Um, I'm, not, I'm not really, you know, going crazy. I'm glad that we got a win. Don't get me wrong. I mean, that was Washington or whatever. But um, it's the always things that you could be – Impressed with and impressed with, and always things that you can see the team improving on. All I would like to see is continue to see just that sort of all all hands on deck mentality. Uh, like when I heard you, um, I think it was John, you uh, talked about sort of the, the points that we got off of like long sustained drives. I definitely get it, but you know, as long as, long as we put points on the scoreboard, hundred percent. Oh no! Look, Maurice, Maurice, look. Style points are nice, but in the end, they don't matter. You win, you win, you win. That's all that counts. Yeah, you don't get brownie points. Hey, look. For that. Remember this last year? People were like, "Oh, you know," but we played them close. We just lost at the end. And what would we say, guys? A loss is a loss. Well, it's the same deal. A win is a win. You can delve into it and analyze it. But as long as you walk home with the win, and this was a very convincing one, by the way, you walk home yeah. happy. Absolutely, that's what, that's what I'm saying, and I, you know, like the whole thing, you know, that uh, I, I ain't even gonna open up that can of worms, but like I just feel like the team overall, because of wins, you know, and you know, when you when you lose, and it, it's like a dark cloud. So now this team got a few wins under their belt. It's gonna be a, a tall task coming in the MetLife Stadium next week. I think we should be able to weather it, and I'm not saying it's gonna be easy. Um, definitely, I think with Golden Tate coming back. It's just more of an option, another option for Daniel Jones. Because sometimes, I'm going to be honest, I feel like he kind of sits there and keys in and hones in on certain guys. Sometimes. And I get it. Like, he's a young player. You know what I'm saying? Sure. But, um, you know, uh, Golden State will be a, a good addition, I mean, this upcoming week. And I always like to leave you guys with something fun to get you guys thinking. Sure. All right, I'm, I'm going to ask you this. Will Evan Ingram lead this team in – yards and touchdowns or just touchdowns alone now golden tate has some time off so he's a little behind the eight ball shep has been playing well but he missed the game so you know you guys let me think what y'all you know what y'all think about that i'll take it up there thank you i mean right, given barkley's injury i think the answer right now is yes 
Yeah, I would lean towards him leading in receiving yards. I don't know if he's going to end up leading in touchdowns, but I think he should have the edge and should be in the driver's seat for receiving yards. Yeah. He's got two 100-yard games already. You know, Yesterday was a relatively quiet game for him. Uh, nobody put up huge numbers. Sterling had 76 yards. And, I mean, what I was going to piggyback off of the point about Golden Tate coming back and how Daniel Jones tends to hone in on one target. And he, by the way, was in the building today, and he's able to now practice and do everything with the team this week. The Giants get a roster exemption, so they don't have to make a roster move until the end of the week. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see what they determine they have to do because Conley's going to go on IR at some point. So they point. theoretically don't have to yeah. drop anybody if they don't want to. Because Golden Tate's the 54th guy. Right. Connolly counts against the 54. Now it becomes 53. The problem, though, is that and the only way they could do that is if Ogletree and Tay Davis are both back becomes a numbers game because you need an extra linebacker right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, they're hurting at that position. Now, they just brought back Nate Stupar, right. and David Mayo has taken on a larger role, but you want some additional insurance. It would stand to reason either call up somebody from the practice squad or sign another linebacker if Ogletree or Tay Davis are not ready to go. Now, Pat Shermer, his press conference today, John, was asked about the status of the two guys. He would not rule out that they weren't going to be available. Closer than they were Sunday. last week yes, is what he but said. but didn't necessarily give any specifics. Now, Correct. Davis is in concussion protocol, so every player reacts differently depending on the independent testing. And Ogletree had a hamstring injury, remember, that caused him to abruptly go down on a play that didn't count against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Does he come back? Towards the latter part of this week, how much does he practice? I think that'll be a better indication to determine whether or not he's available. But with respect to Golden Tate coming back, I mean, keep in mind, I thought Daniel Jones did a nice job spreading the wealth. You look at the breakdown of targets here, four guys had at least four targets. Uh, Darius Slayton and Benny Fowler each had two. And he got the running backs involved with Wayne Goleman. And, I mean, Hilleman's not necessarily a receiving threat, but he did a good job keeping Goleman involved throughout the course of the game. I think what he meant is on some individual plays— He'll lock his eyes on a receiver oh, okay. and that, stay I on them. That. And that's maybe allowed them to anticipate some of those throws to get the interceptions. I think that's where Maurice well, was going Well, if that's with that. what he was going with, then yeah. I completely understand that. I just didn't necessarily agree with maybe that he's not spreading the wealth enough. I didn't interpret it that way. I agree with both of you. Joe in Pennsylvania, he's up next. What's up, Joe? Yeah, I was going to say, say you, got, you and Lance better suit up about get ready to play linebacker not, for us. No, no, know? Joe, not us. Detino's going to do it. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah. Well, Paul will. Too, yeah. Oh, yeah, sure. absolutely. Paul's he'll last for about half a play. Well, yeah. I was going to say he'll last about a play, and then it'll be the end of him. <laughs> no, he'll, he'll get a penalty for running too much in motion. You know, it'll no, be an illegal be, formation. No, he'd be so excited. Yeah, he'll he, he, he no, go no, offsides. No, no, no. Yeah, it'll be a legal formation yeah, offsides. Off something sides, to that absolutely. Degree. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Uh, uh, all right, talking about penalties, I'll start start with the refs again. When they re- review this, did that, does that go to New York, or is it just them guys reviewing it? What play are you talking about? Uh, well, I, I I can go back the last from the beginning of the season with the Cowboys. Every day. no, but Joe, There's Joe, Joe, three... that, no, Joe. They they decide at the stadium whether the play is going to be reviewed. Once the play is being reviewed, then that goes back to New York. Well, how how do they come back with calls like you know what I mean with Latimer? I mean, you definitely can within five yards. It's you know, and there was another one in the end zone they called on him too. That was very touchy. 
How did how did you come up with them? I mean, it's, what do you want me to say, Joe? It's, it's a judge, it was a bad call. Well, I, that's what I was wondering. How do you look at these reviews and come up with them? It's it's mind-boggling. Well, those plays all, so. though weren't reviewed. I mean, clearly, no, that yeah. wasn't challenged. The play you're referring to. Shermer so. did say today, in retrospect, he might wish he would have challenged that Latimer play. Yeah, but I don't know if it would have been overturned anyway because you know it has to be so obvious that it didn't happen. Is it the fact that it's within five yards makes it obvious? Yep. I don't know. Well, it's that, tough. That's what I mean, John. Right. No, I know. Off the line of scrimmage. I that's agree why, with you, that's, Joe. That's what I was getting at. I agree so with you. The announcers, everybody, everybody agreed. Oh, okay, going on here. Uh, what do I want to go in here with, with next? Ooh. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, yeah, we did have four turnovers. Plus, uh, our punt returner, again, was close to two more. And plus, like I said, we better play zone on defense. You know what I mean? Because another quarterback would have hit them touchdowns. And oh my God, what what a difference the game could be. You know, I mean, it's about execution. That's yeah, what it comes down I'm to. Just saying, one thing. I, you know, we have to be happy. They're all young guys that are making ease and and, and we're winning. And you know, they they got to get go through them experiences and. Uh, now, this game here coming up, there's going to be a Viking rush. And with Daniel Jones, there, a lot of them, they were very close to getting him, too. You know, that, that one he escaped and ran up the middle was something like Eli there before he threw that touchdown there uh, in the in the Super Bowl there. But uh, uh, I, I just wonder, and I, I don't think they're going to change anything like that with their pass rush coming, you know what I mean, if he'd – He'd want to get the ball off like Eli in three seconds, but I don't think they're going to change anything like that. Do you? Well, a lot of that is also the decision-making of Daniel Jones. It's not as if, you know, Pat Shermer doesn't tell the quarterback, Thank hey, you, Joe. You know, there the has call. to be the urgency, appreciate the call to, you know, get rid of the football. It's a matter of sometimes, you know, Daniel Jones has to realize, throw the ball away and live to see another down as opposed to hold on to it too long to give the pass rush an opportunity to get home. But then if you, you're also then taking maybe one of his weapons of running out of his hands too, because if he's not holding it and trying to, you know, find somebody down the field. To create the alley. Yeah, yeah. and you're never going to run the ball then either. So I think there's a very fine line there where, you know, a guy like Deshaun Watson, he plays a certain way, right? Like, he makes a ton of big plays, and he's an excellent quarterback. I love Deshaun Watson. He's a good player. He's a quarterback my team any day of the week. But that dude holds the ball forever. It's one of the reasons why he's one of the most sacked quarterbacks every year. Last year specifically. And until this year, where I think his numbers are actually down in this respect, Russell Wilson was that way too. He would hold the ball. He'd run around. He'd try to create time. He'd run around. Try to create time. Avoid this. Try to get guys down the field. And then he'd finally complete something. But he holds the ball forever because his athleticism and skill set allows him to do that. So I think there's just a, there's a balance you have to find on Certain plays, when you're supposed to get rid of a quick, get rid of a quick. Other plays, if the, the protection's there, you can hold it a little bit, and your mobility helps you. But that's you're going to have to take the good and the bad with that. When you have quarterbacks that run around and they do all this other stuff, you're going to take some sacks. It's just the way it goes in the league. It just is. Yeah, we've had this conversation yeah. multiple times when, we were, when Eli Manning was the quarterback, and you know we were going around the league. I remember we did that show, John, and we were looking through all the sack numbers, and the teams with actually mobile quarterbacks are higher up on the ranking list in terms of sacks allowed than the Tom Brady's, the Phillip Rivers, and so forth, because those quarterbacks just get rid of the football or they throw it away, as opposed to roaming around to buy the defense time to sack the quarterback. So it's somewhat of a catch-22. You know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, if you're Daniel Jones. You like the fact that he's got the mobility factor, but then coming with that territory comes perhaps the vulnerability to be taken down and sacked. 
you got a good pocket presence. No, feel your pressure when it's coming. I think he did a better job with that this week. I thought the Giants did a pretty good job protecting. He, you know, wasn't sacked. Got hit a few times, but it wasn't overwhelming against a pretty good front. So, all in all, that's kind of how it goes. Well, and we brought this up on the post-game show yesterday on the Giants Radio Network. Coming into this game, you think about, you know, Jonathan Allen, Ryan Kerrigan, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis. You never felt as if any of those guys no. disrupted or ruined the game. And that, I think, is because of Daniel Jones's mobility and also the offensive line at least continuing to battle. Lance, the line's better. We talked about this all offseason. No one likes to talk about the offensive line when it's good because no one notices them. When the offensive line is bad, that's all we hear about. When they're good, everybody's like, oh, yeah, well, that's what they're supposed to do. It's fine. Yeah. Well, they're doing a nice job. Big Blue Kickoff Live is brought to you by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. Back to the phones. Scott New Mexico is up next. Hey, Scott. Hi, guys. How are you doing today? What's up, buddy? How are you? Uh, I thought your analysis of the game was exactly the way I was looking at it, but I did have a question, uh, just a clarification point. Sure. I looked at the stats, and the Giants had 68 total plays compared to Washington's 48, and also time of possession was 36 to 24. Yes. So generally when I put those two together, it shows a certain dominance of controlling the ball, and obviously that tends to lend itself to hopefully victories. Yes. But in regard to Daniel Jones, you had made a comment that he hadn't thrown the ball, you know, more than 10 yards, I think, on a couple of plays. But doesn't that really reflect on what the defense is willing to give him rather than him being a negative? In other words, he's looking at seeing where the plays are. No, Scott, 100%. And, and I made that point when I said it. I said that, right. that, that lack of aggressiveness, A, is a product of you having the lead in the score, and it's a product of you taking what the defense gives you, which is exactly right. what you're supposed to do, and that's fine. Okay, so, so it's not really a negative in regards to Daniel Jones calling the game. It's no, just it was what what they had. No, but Scott, I, I, the reason I said it the way I did is because people are making it out like he played had as big of a role in this victory as he did versus Tampa, and he was the reason they won, which I don't think is the case this particular. No, and week. I agree with you. Right, that's well, it. And I think another part of why that stat is extremely important is because, Scott, if you remember, when Eli Manning was the quarterback, there was constant critique about him not taking chances down the field. And more often than not, when some of it was what the defense was presenting and him reacting to it, notice when Daniel Jones is maybe not taking chances down the field, it's, to your point, a reflection of what the defense is giving him. Correct. So that has to be taken into consideration as opposed to just the quarterback being out on an island. That, to me, is important why that's relevant as well. Okay. Um, I have two questions. I'll take them rapidly and take them both off the air. I'm still concerned about the fact with Trey Quinn being open twice with no coverage from the secondary. And you were at the game, so I was just curious what created that play. And then secondarily, I watched the Minnesota game, and uh, uh, Kirk Cousins was sacked six times. Was. Chicago didn't have two of their starting personnel defensive linemen, and even in the game. Now, Pat Shermer is familiar with Minnesota, obviously. Do the Giants employ the same kind of, or will they look at the film and see, uh, try to employ the same methodology, or will it be completely different because of the Giants' personnel? And again, I'll take both your answers off the air, guys. No, Scott, good questions. Very, very good questions. Um, I don't know what their scheme is going to be against the Vikings. I haven't watched them yet. So I don't have a real good feel for exactly what they do. I think you are generally going to alter your scheme from team to team. But the one thing I would think that will continue is 
I do not believe the Giants will return to being a super blitz-heavy team against the Vikings. I just don't think, uh, given... I mean, look, you, you saw the two plays where the guy got open behind the defense. That's when you're playing cover one man-to-man, and the guy gets deep. That's not what you're looking for. And I think when you bring extra guys, you put your corners on more of an island, and that's where the Giants have struggled a little bit this year. So I don't think you'll see them return to a blitz-heavy scheme. How they handle man, zone, and you know single high, two high, I think is... Um, going to be dependent a lot of what the Vikings are doing. I think you really have to be, as Lance spoke about, with their tendency to run the football. You know, mission number one in this game has got to be stopped Alvin Cook. And I think despite what Adam Thielen said after the game, I still think that's the way the Giants will approach it. So I think you'll see a lot more single high. How, whether the Giants play a man out of that or disguise or do some other things, I don't know. But the one thing I would think would continue is not blitzing as much. But other than that, I would have to see what the Vikings do before rendering that judgment. Yeah, I don't think looking at what Chicago did is a great game plan to try to model because, once again, the Bears are in a league of their own when it comes to their defensive personnel. They've got really good cover guys on the back end of their defense. They have good everything, let's yeah. be honest. Well, but my point <laughs> is, John, when you know Scott brought up the fact that the Bears were missing some of their personnel, first of all, they still had Khalil Mack, who single-handedly can wreck a game. So what, Eddie Goldman didn't play? I don't see him on their player participation well, I mean, list here. Roy Robertson Harris, who's really come alive this season, he was very active in that game yesterday. Uh, Eddie Goldman did play yesterday because uh, he's got recorded statistics. Oh, there he is. I see him. He so, played 53%. Yeah. Hicks didn't play, right? Akeem Hicks was banged up from the okay. Monday night he game against the Washington okay. Redskins. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, guys, honestly, I, like I said, I'm just looking at the playtime percentages. I didn't see his name on the list, but Eddie Jackson played, Amukamara played, Fuller played. Yeah, all the back end Dicks. guys. Yeah. Leonard Floyd played, Khalil Mack played, Buster Screen played. Yeah, they're, they're okay. Yeah. Danny Trevathan, I don't yeah. know if you mentioned him too. I did not. You know, good so, point. Yep. There's another guy. You can't go by what the Bears did and the Giants are going to say, all right, we're going to duplicate that because I think Chicago's got Plenty of individuals that win their man-on-man battles and veteran guys on the back end that could cover for strong periods of time. So when you take that into consideration, I think the Giants will review the film. They'll break it down. But they got to do what fits the strengths of James Betcher's personnel, much more so than what fits the strengths of Chuck Pagano's Chicago defense. And those two plays of Trey Quinn, they were a man on those two plays. I just checked my notes. Yeah, he and beat Grant Hanley yeah. on the second one. I, I don't remember the first one exactly. No, I both. know the play. It, it was, was both Hanley. Second one I remember, I think Quinn may have given him a little double move or whatever because he started off hesitating and then just blew right past him. Yeah, and one play I think uh, Bethay played a deep in cut underneath. The other play I think he was over the wide receiver on the other side of the field. But look, that's something that we've seen the Giants get caught in a little bit this year in terms of having that single high safety and not having help over the top. I don't know if that's scheme or Bethay free. I doubt it's Bethay freelancing. The guy's been in the league for 14 years. I can't imagine him doing that, but who knows? I don't know, so I'm not going to comment on it. But bottom line, when you're playing that single high safety, you can't let guys get over the top on you because that's how you get big plays. So the man covering the guy one-on-one and also the single high deep safety, you just got to make sure that you're in the right spot there to prevent those guys running free. Absolutely. I think what's also interesting, just as a side note, to monitor what the Giants' defense does is, let's see what also happens with this linebacking position, John, as we move forward. Because, you know, with Kyle Rudolph, the middle of the field, Phelan and Diggs on cross routes, which they like to run, Connolly... As young and as inexperienced as a player he was, he was very active, John. Very instinctual. Right? Yeah. And, and he more than often than not, he was in the right place at the right time to make a stop or get a deflection. So you're losing that now. And if Ogletree's not ready to go... You're in trouble. Yeah, that's something yeah. to keep close tabs on here moving forward. I think that's going to be a big part of the storyline and how they attack the Vikings this week. 
201-939-4513. Rich in Florida has been holding the longest. Hey, Rich. Hey, good afternoon, fellas. What's um, up, bud? First and foremost, uh, I want to start out just giving uh, the both of you kudos, John and Lance. Um, yeah, I've called in. Uh, it was a few years back since the last time I called, but uh listen to you guys regularly. Well, um, thank you. You guys do a good, you guys do a great job. Appreciate it. Appreciate uh, that. Thanks. And for all of us, yeah, we got a we got a pretty large contingent of uh Giants fans down here obviously and um well, you would know from the Bucks game. Oh my god, Rich, <laughs> Rich, you guys did such a good job coming out to that game and, and this is what I always tell people. When we were angled for the game-winning field goal, right? We're kind of straight on with the field. So we can't tell if the thing goes in by just looking because the angle you can't really tell where the ball is. So Depending on what stadium you're in, you wait for the crowd reaction. And generally, if the home crowd goes nuts, you know it went in. If it the home crowd doesn't do anything, you know the guy missed it. The problem was the guy misses the kick. There's so many Giant fans, you can't tell because the Giant fans are so loud, you had no idea if the field goal went in. You guys down there did an excellent job going to that game and being loud, man. You really did. Were you there? That's awesome. I uh, I wish I could say I was. The irony is that I was actually up in Queens last weekend. Oh, wow. That's pretty funny. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. uh, they go down there and you come up here. Yeah. It, it, exactly. I got to listen to the last two minutes of the game from a parking lot in Queens with a buddy of, with a buddy of mine who happens to be a Bucks fan. So oh, wow. really oh, boy. Scenario. That must have been an experience. Wow. That sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, was, it was odd. But, um, yeah, guys, I just want to – like I said, I want to give you guys kudos um, – and also, it's kind of funny. Uh, one of my good friends that I watch the games with pretty regularly, we we always we laugh about when, when we see other broadcasts or when we see other things from other teams, how it's almost like watching kind of like the, the high school version where you would see kids reporting on TV about their local stuff in comparison to the job that you guys do. So really, really, not trying to toot your horn, but you guys, just, you do a great job. Yeah. Well, um, we, we thank you for tuning in. We'll take it. That. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, John absolutely. will especially uh, take it, yes. I'll pass the other show, too. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On to, uh, as far just overall with the Giants in general, um, just wanted to share, you know, it's awesome to feel excited again. Uh, I'm the hugest Eli Manning supporter. Wore my, wore my Eli color rush jersey yesterday while watching the game. Um, but you can tell things are different, and I'm not saying it's solely because of the change, but I'm just saying in general it feels good to wake up after two wins in a row. feels great. Um so that's awesome. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a question, though. It's kind of funny, and, and, and it's sort of it's nuanced. Um, and, John, you'll probably be able to answer this one the best. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering if Pat Hanlon or yourself or anybody, and it's not a nitpick, but it's just a – or maybe it is. <laughs> has, anybody, has anybody spoken to Daniel Jones about the ums and uhs? Rich, it's, <laughs> no, I can tell you they probably haven't. What a question. And I and look, Rich, Daniel is such a pleasure to deal with. He's so down to earth. And if you listen to the postgame show after the game, just like with Eli Manning, and I can ask him about bad plays and he'll give you a good straight answer. He doesn't get mad when, when he asks those plays. And that kid can um and huh and uh however many times he wants. If he's going to be as polite and as good of a kid and answer the questions the way he does, he can do it any way he wants. It's if, all good. If I had a nickel for every time I had Thank to you, Rich. Edit I appreciate out, the call, Yeah, buddy. appreciate the phone call, Rich. And thanks for tuning in. If I had a nickel, and you probably could have oh, a few five. more nickels, of how many uhs I had to edit first. out of an Eli Manning soundbite. Guys, I, I, I kid you not. 
Like you could have like a 28 second Eli Manning soundbite, and and I have to edit these for the open and the pregame show. So does Lance. Both of us kind of team up and do it depending on what we're working on, and. You could take a 28-second Eli Manning soundbite, and without taking out any actual content, and you're just taking out the pauses and the mmms and the, uh, mm, I don't know. <laughs> well, just, you know. <laughs> just like little verbal tics he has. You can almost get it down to like 15 seconds. Like, yeah. you can almost get rid of like 40% of it just by cutting some of those out. And, guys, look. They speak clearly. They speak slowly. They enunciate, and they give great information. There's a couple verbal ticks in there with uhs and ums and, you know, stuff like that. Whatever. It's all good. Do your thing, guys. Part of doing business. Yeah. Well, I'd much rather have that than somebody that talks yeah. a million miles an hour and doesn't give good answers. Well, it's funny that Rich called up and asked that question because when Daniel Jones started to have his first few press conferences, I'm saying, all right, well, you know, we just went through 15 years <laughs> with Eli Manning, and I'm saying to myself. No, dude, like, verbally, the way they talk. It's the same thing. It's exactly over the again. same thing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's actually, I took a class at college uh, about speech, and they have a term for that. It's called vocal garbage. That's actually what they call it. No, I'm serious. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know that. You never know what you learn on Big Blue Kickoff Live, by the way. Yeah, it's called vocal garbage, meaning it's it's unnecessary language that you're throwing in or unnecessary pauses or whatever it may be. So there you go. Daniel Jones and uh, Eli Manning, these, uh, certainly a mirror image of one another. These guys, these guys are football players. They're not public speakers. They don't have to be. But they know and how to play fine. the game good with respect to public speaking because they can say a lot and not give you much of anything. Yes. That's a talent, I will you know tell what, you that. No, Daniel Jones has, gave, has given us a decent amount on, in, in the post-game interviews after the games, I thought, though. I, I think he's been okay. So far, so good. Yeah. Small sample okay. size, John, yeah, like small everything sample else. Okay? Size, that's you know, you're true. asking me to break down and analyze <laughs> and have a big takeaway. Well, I don't have much to analyze at this point. Come on. 201. I love how Rich picked up on that, by the way. Yeah, it's really it's pretty funny. Because yeah. there's people that actually edit the audio – He's 100% right. Oh, he's 100%. But guys could not care less. They're awesome. We love the guys. 201-939-4513. Let's go to John down in Alabama. He's up next. Hey, John. Hey, guys. How you doing today? We're doing great. Hey, right, John. Hey, listen, quick. I just um, You guys kind of trumped me on my linebacker question. That's okay. We're going through Connolly and people being hurt and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. like your take on kind of how they're going to try to address that this week uh, for the Vikings. And then... Um, one thing I think with the last caller, because I'm a big Eli fan too, and actually down in Alabama, we got a huge contingent of Giant fans. We all make the trek over to Atlanta for the big game. But one thing that I think is going a little bit quiet with regards to Eli, as well as what's going on with the Giants, is there's no drama. I mean, this team's really rallying. I mean, think about the last couple of years, all the drama we had. Eli Apple. OBJ, all that stuff is gone out of this team. So, wanted you guys comments on that? Yes. And then the last yes, thing, yes yeah, times ahead, a th- no, yes times a thousand. No argument. It's all about football, and that's what it should be, and that's really good. And I think that has a lot to do with some of the moves that Dave Gettleman made the last couple of years. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, good, good, good selection there. And then the other thing, the last thing is with the uh, turnover differential. How are we doing with that compared to the rest of the league? You know what? It's, it's not right now. Yeah, it isn't great. Um, I can look it up for you right now, actually. Um, coming into the game, and, and we appreciate the call, John. Thanks a lot. Well, coming in, they were 31st. They Correct. were minus 5, and they stayed at minus 5 because they were even with they the were Redskins. Even. Each I'm, team I'm had curious to four. see where they are. In so terms I didn't of have an opportunity to update my charts, but I know for a fact oh. they're still minus 5. I can bring it up right here. Stand by. I would say I don't think they made that much of a move because 
I mean, clearly there were a number of teams that had issues with takeaways. That Lions-Chiefs game, by the way. Yeah, oh they, my they, are, they are tied for 31st. They are minus yeah. five along with Atlanta and Denver. No shock, the Miami Dolphins are minus seven. Well, the Bengals are minus four, and they play tonight. So yes. they theoretically could slide past they the could. Giants and if that happens. the Bengals are also 0-3. So well, if you look at the teams at the, your trend. If of, you look at the teams at the bottom of that list, it's not great in terms of record. No, and Washington's in the mix there. Cincinnati. Yep, yep Carolina. Turnover differential synonymous with record. Unfortunately, it's something like that. it's something that it's hard to you know you can't it's hard to scheme that sort of stuff. A lot of it's as much as bounce of the ball and luck. Then, like for example, like the Giants had four interceptions, right? Two are luck. You know, Jenkins makes a nice play knocking down the slant, but what's the difference between him knocking the ball down to hitting the ground or him knocking it up and it going right to Ryan Connolly? It's just the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not a criticism. I'm not saying it doesn't count. But from year to year, sometimes you get bounces. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes a 60-yard field goal against you goes in. Sometimes a 34-yard field goal doesn't. And it does it make any sense? No. But that's football. That's why it's such a crazy game. Yeah. Oh, you're 100% on target there. And I agree with you, John, because I think that it's a fluky statistic. I've said that multiple times. It doesn't mean that... Except for the Patriots. They always seem to be plus. <laughs> because well, Tom Brady never throws any interceptions. on an island all by yeah, themselves, as you well know. That's the wrong team to bring up in this conversation. <laughs> but I do think there is a philosophy connected to some defenses that they're aggressive enough that they do a good job creating. I for example, Chicago, the Bears, the Bears are very good at creating turnovers because I think it's built in and it's an identity within their defense. And certain schemes, like you get more takeaways in zone than you do in man, for example. Exactly. Right. Like Greg Williams with Cleveland last year, mm-hmm. his team was extremely opportunistic. They were up there in takeaways. They blitz a lot, so they yeah. make the, force the quarterback into mistakes. So those things play a role, but there's also a number of factors where it's right place, right time, ball bounces your way, as you mentioned, and just because you were this good in turnover differential one year doesn't mean anything. I remember there was one year where I think the Cowboys went from literally bottom to top. top. Mm -hmm. So that just goes to show you. With the same defensive coordinator. And and, and that's important (laughs) of note. Yeah, It's not as if they revamped everything, they brought in new personnel, had a new coach, and then it flipped. It was the same exact thing. Final call of the show. We go back down to Florida and say, what's up to Julian? Julian, how are you? Hey, John. How are you guys? Uh, Plants, how are you? Doing all right. We're good, Julian. How's what's you, up? Julian? I'm just going to piggyback off my uh, Floridian over there that was just talking. Um, yep. Uh, I cannot believe that someone noticed the us because I was listening to this guy's <laughs> interview. <laughs> and I was like, am I the only one that's noticing how much this guy's saying uh? And I actually counted it. I started counting on my fingers, and it reminded I know that Eli says, oh, what? But I can't believe no one mentioned how he says, hey, in every pause. Like, Eli always says. He does do uh, that sometimes. Well, yep, he does. He goes, well, he goes, hey, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speech That's analysis on Big Blue Kickoff Live. There's a lot of validity <laughs> behind that. So, yeah. um, so uh, three, three hours and 45 minutes away is Tampa. Me and my buddy looked at each other and said, you know what, man, we got to go to this game. Nice. It's, it's, we're going to be eight hours on the road, but it's worth it. It's DJ's first start. It could either We could either look back and tell our kids, hey, we were there when Daniel Jones was first game. Yeah, I mean, this guy's awesome now. Or we can look back and tell our kids and say, hey, remember that guy, Daniel Jones, that played for one year? Yeah, well, we went to his first well, game. Well, I'll tell you what, you, 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 <laughs> you guys are one field goal away from having a long four-hour drive home from that game. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell you what, though, man, we haven't felt that excited. And I'm, I'm, I'm totally backing off my Floridian guy over there. Um, I, we have not felt like this about Giants wins in, in, in uh, what, since 2016, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. that game in Tampa literally – 
felt like a Giants game. There were so many fans. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. Um, the last game that me and my buddy went to was a 2016 Dallas home game, week 15. That was, a, I mean, you guys remember that one, right? Of course, Where yeah. Where Des, Des Bryant got shut down by Janoris. I mean, what that was an amazing experience. But this Tampa Bay one felt different. I mean, just as Giants fans down here in Florida, man, like, it, it was awesome, the, that, that drive back home. And even yesterday's win felt great, too. And uh, I guess here I'll go with the question. Um, so, did is the Buccaneers' defense that legitimate now that we've seen them against the Rams? And well, does that make us feel good about our offense? No, Julian, that, that's exactly what I said earlier. I don't know what to think about the Buccaneers. The first two games, they couldn't score, but they had a really good defense. And the last two games, they can't stop anybody. So, I'm not sure what they are, to be honest with you. I don't know. Yeah, they gave up one touchdown in the first two games, and then all of a sudden, now everybody's lighting up the scoreboard against them in the second two. I think Shaq Barrett's legit. I think he's done it against pretty much various offensive lines, so I don't think that's fluky. Uh, Vernon Hargraves is getting used to the new scheme that Todd Bowles has brought back, which suits his strengths because he's a press coverage type of guy, which he was early in his career, then they got away from that. And I think that Vita Veyan and Dominican Sue are tremendous forces inside, and I mean, they were and having against the Rams yesterday, even though the Rams had success on the offensive side. And Dominic Sue, I believe, returned a, a football loose one for a touchdown. So I think yeah. there's a lot of solid playmakers, Julian, on the Bucks team. I, I just think that some of their secondary players are prone to giving up some big plays, and even the Giants prove that. And it really depends on what type of a challenge you present in your receiving core. Remember, when they shut down Carolina, no disrespect to Carolina, they took Christian McCaffrey away from Carolina. Cam was banged up, okay? He was playing through the foot injury, which he admitted. And, you know, you have DJ Moore and you have Curtis Samuel, young guys that need to get out in space once they get the football. Not necessarily a huge vertical threat. So you also need to take into consideration some of the personnel groupings I think that they went up against in those first two weeks. I think the Giants and the Rams have posed a little bit of a bigger challenge because of some of the vertical threats and big playmakers they have. Awesome. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. And, uh, you know, I, I'm just curious if maybe we really are ready for the Vikings defense. You know, I mean, uh, if yeah. the Bucks are really looking that good and, I mean, I would imagine Golden Tate's coming back, then Xavier Rhodes is going to take him on the outside unless they put Shep on the outside. But uh, it just leaves Daniel Jones a lot more weapons to throw to if, if Golden Tate's getting covered by Rhodes. Um, I'm really happy to – I'm really curious to see how Golden Tate performs. Uh, well, but, hey, there you go, guys. Yeah, you <laughs> got it. Appreciate the call. I mean, I think even if you factor in Xavier Rhodes and who he covers, Harrison Smith, you know, how they utilize him – uh, who they choose to put on Evan Ingram, I think, is a big part of their game plan, too. The Vikings have more than just one weapon out there that they could utilize in the secondary, and they have a number of guys that can get after the quarterback. And don't just look at the Bears game, but keep in mind, Mitchell Trubisky was hurt in the game yesterday. I mean, he yeah. suffered a left shoulder injury, and, and that was because the Vikings got to him. So, you know, don't dismiss the Vikings simply because they haven't necessarily been uh, putting a bunch of points up consistently each and every game. And look, fans should be excited, folks. You know, heading into this last couple drafts, you know, we were talking about when they drafted Saquon Barkley, should they draft a quarterback or not? You guys know where we stood on that. I love Sam Darnold, and now Jones is past year. The time was going to come to make the change. It's just a matter of when. You know, Eli Manning wasn't going to play forever. It was just kind of the way it was, and the team decided this was the time to make the change. It's looked really good so far. I know Lance and I were surprised it happened after only two games based on what was said in the offseason, but... So far, Daniel Jones has stepped up and done a real nice job in his first two games. So, it's looking up. Yeah. 
it's encouraging that he's getting all of these reps and exposure to all of these defenses. Mm-hmm. I think this is only going to bode well for him in the long run. And I think I think what he's shown in the first two games, he's got a pretty high floor. I just don't think we know what the ceiling is. I think that's kind of where we are. Yeah. It's a matter of you want to see consistency out of any young quarterback, sure. but you understand that they have to go through the growing pains. So you look at what he did against Tampa Bay. Okay, there were two turnovers. Now there's two turnovers again. You want to see that be cleaned up. But once again, the way he deals with adversity, I think, is extremely impressive, John. He bounces back. He, he doesn't get rattled by one bad play here or there. That's certainly a big positive. And the mobility factor that he's brought to the table you know, gives the Giants the ability to extend plays and continue drive. So there's certainly a lot to build upon moving forward, even though it's been just two starts. Lance, good stuff. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us on Big Blue Kickoff Live. It's all presented by Coors Light. Enter to win the ultimate VIP game day experience, courtesy of Coors Light. Text VIP to 90464 for more details. For Lance Meadow, I'm John Schmunk. We'll be back tomorrow at 1.30 right here on Giants.com. Russ Salzberg and Paul Dottino with you for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live. We'll see you then. Adios. Have a good one.